The reading this morning is from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while they were gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's go celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will, I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They haven't got used to me not using the table yet. I read a book last year. We, we've been doing this series on Mammon is a main master. And I 
You'll be glad to hear this is the last of the series. I thought, I thought there would be a pause at that, but seemingly not. But I read a book last year, Le Miserable. And if you've ever, anybody here who's read the unabridged version of Le Miserable? I didn't think so. It, it's the same length as the Bible. Uh, and it, it is a huge book to wade through. But how many of you have seen the movie? Come on, be honest. It's okay. We're Okay. So there is in the process, if you've seen the movie, read the book, or even an abridged version, in the book there, it is the story of Jean Valjean, who is a criminal, and he has been arrested. He's served his sentence and he gets out, but he has a detective who is constantly pursuing him. One of the things that happens in the book is that Jean Valjean, there's, there's a jump between the prisoner and the bishop's candlesticks and the point that he is suddenly a wealthy businessman. And there's an explanation in the book that he has discovered a way, an inexpensive way, to make jewelry that comes at a very high price because normally they have been using a process that's very expensive. And so he's found a way to make it in a much less expensive way. And he opens a factory and the, the product goes so well that it grows the factory. He hires more and more people. They make more and more profit. In fact, the city where he lives becomes so prosperous because of the business. They elect him as the mayor of the city. Now, the rider, um, Victor Hugo makes the wrong conclusion. He tells the story because he's seen this happen. And he says, capitalism is great at producing wealth. That is exactly true. But then he says, but terrible at... That was supposed to be corrected, Walter. I don't know how that got on there. Terrible at distributing it. Terrible at distributing it. So he wants to be a socialist. He wants his cake and eat it too. He wants capitalism to make the wealth. And then he want, wants to turn around and use socialism to distribute the wealth. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Capitalism and socialism are exactly the opposite of one another. And, and we need to understand that. Now, when we're talking about mammon and redistributing wealth or capitalism, creating wealth through business, some people have said that Christianity is socialism. And I'm here today to tell you, because we're talking about money. I'm sorry, that typo still disturbs me. Um, we're talking... Some of you got that. Uh, <clears throat> Some people say that socialism is Christianity and Christianity is socialist. And I'm here today to tell you that Christianity or that socialism is not biblical. The Bible teaches the difference. 
in that. Now, the reason some people say that is because in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, it says that that early church, during the days of persecution, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, a couple of things about that. Please understand that the prophecy had already taken place, that they were under persecution, that Cindy, everything they had was going to be taken away from them, and they were going to be scattered. So they sold the things ahead of time so that they could be used as a benefit to those who would be persecuted and would be scattered. And that example that took place in that first church is never repeated again throughout the Scriptures. It's not normal. It was something they did in order to help each other before the persecution took place or the persecution that was already beginning. But I want you to notice something in this passage that is anti-socialism. Notice they were selling their possessions. Selling their possessions. In socialism... What is socialism? It's where the government forcefully takes your possessions away from you and gives it to someone else holding most of it for themselves. I started to say, who is it in our world today who takes your possessions away from you forcefully and gives it to someone else? I've already given away the answer. The answer is it's the government. And that's why a conservative, and I am a conservative, we're not going to talk parties because that's not the point. I'm talking about conservatism. And a conservative wants very little government because what the, the more government you have, the more they take away from you and use for something else. These people, Shelley, chose to sell their possessions. By the way, their possessions. Socialism says you don't own anything. It all belongs to the government. The government takes it and they'll do with it as they choose. They sold their possessions and belongings and they distributed. Oh, there it is, properly spelled. They distributed it to the proceeds that they had received to those that had need. It was a voluntary distribution of their goods because Christians are generous. There is a difference between generosity and socialism. Generosity is biblical and socialism is not. Notice that another time this happened, Ananias and his wife um, had, Sapphira had sold a piece of property because Alicia, they saw that people were doing that and people were clapping and they wanted the attention of doing the same thing, but they were just a little bit greedy. And so they didn't give everything. They didn't give all the money from the sale of the property, Chris, but they said they did. And Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Get this, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own you see, the Bible teaches the possession of property and land and wealth. It does not teach 
that it automatically belongs to everybody. What's yours is yours until the government decides that it's not or until you decide to cash it in and give part of it away. And did it not remain you? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Friends, that is not socialism. And the Bible will not support socialism. Now, so what does the Bible teach? Uh, I appreciated Michelle reading loud and clear. I could hear her and understand her very well even backstage. Because, and, and that's important. Listen, may I say that who we are as Baptists, as Christians, and what we believe is not based on the current philosophy or the, cover, or the current political power in power. What it must be based on is the Word of God. We say with our hands held high that the Bible is our all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. John, if it's not the Bible, we don't believe it. What we practice, Wanda, is in the Bible. We are all about the Bible. That is what determines our faith and our practice. And the Bible is very clear. It is God who distributes wealth. In those verses, He put His wealth in their hands. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going into a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his own money to them to do business with while he was gone. It is God that distributes wealth. And listen, everything we have comes from God and it is His to give. The very air we breathe, Jonathan. The air we breathe, everything we have, everything comes from God. Now somebody says, well, I worked hard for my salary. Yes, but who gave you your job? Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, it is Him who has given you the power to gain wealth. Everything we have comes from God, and He is the one who distributes it. Ah, but notice, He did not distribute the wealth equally. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and only one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. Catherine, that just doesn't seem fair. He gave five to one of them. He only gave two to another. Casey only gave one to someone. What's fair about that? Who's going to tell God that he's not fair? Anybody volunteer? And I've got news for you. Life is not fair. Kids, teenagers, look up and read the screen. Life is not fair. And the sooner you get over that and understand that, the better you'll be able to deal with life. Life is not fair. I posted on Facebook this past week that I have been 
self-identifying as a 19-year-old. <laughs> and it's not going very well, Joe. <laughs> Life is not fair. Somebody said youth is wasted on the young. Well, maybe. What's your other choice? Life is not fair. I mean, I, I stand next to Zedrick and next to Carter and next to Noah. Those guys look down on me. No, I don't, I, I don't mean they have no respect for me. I mean they're taller than me, and they look down on the top of my head. That's not fair. Some of you are skinny, and I try to stay skinny, and my, my addiction to cookies fights against my efforts to stay skinny. I love desserts, and some of you know that, and you're enemies of my diet. <laughs> Life's not fair. Samantha, when I was, before I was 30, I could eat anything I wanted to and never get fat. The year I turned 30, little angel, Jerry, came down, sat on my shoulder, tapped me with his wand and said, you will now start to get fat. <laughs> Life is not fair, and we have to learn that. God does not distribute equally. Some are smarter than others. Some are stronger than others. Some can run fast. Some can swim fast, and I am going to bite my tongue at that and not talk about... Anyway, um, <clears throat> he distributed according to their ability. It occurred to me, Kim, and Kim, when I was reading this, it says he distributed according to their ability, gave five bags of silver to one and two and one, dividing in proportion to their abilities. Kim, what I was going to say is, who gave them their abilities? Who determined their ability? God did. Listen, God's in charge. I, I realize, Karen, we live in a broken world, broken by sin. Maybe in a perfect world, everything would be equal. But we don't know what it would be because we've never seen a, a perfect world. We live in a broken world. You ask me, why was my child born with a disability? It is not because you sinned, it's because that child was born into a sinful world and we're paying the price of that sin. But I will tell you, God knows what He's doing and God makes no mistakes. He determines our ability and then Ava, He gives us according to our abilities and it is His right to do so. Then he held them accountable. He gave five bags and then went on his trip. And when he came back, he held them accountable for what they had been given. He does not distribute equally. He gives according to our ability, and he will judge us according to what we do with it. And in fact, how we use it, how to use it, is up to each individual. You get to choose, John, what to do with the ability that you've been given. I get to choose. Cassidy, you get to choose what to do with the ability you've been given. It doesn't do any good to say, well, I didn't get as much as somebody else, and so I can't do what I need to do. Listen, God will never ask you to do more than He will enable you to do. And some 
have begun. I'm, I'll, I'll just tell you, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Sowell. That black man is one of the, sm he's the smartest man I've ever read after. He is brilliant, and I love to hear his, him speak. I love to read his material. But you look at Thomas Sowell's background, and he came up from, from a terrible background, but someone al along the way recognized his brilliance, and he took advantage of the opportunities he had. And Don, every one of us can do that. It's too easy, guys, to say, well, I don't have the the opportunities that somebody else does. If you approach life like that, you will miss the opportunities you've been given. Use what you've got and use it to the glory of God. It's up to you. I want you to notice they had a choice and two of those men immediately put their wealth to work. I'm not going to read you the verse. It's it's there. He said he took the five, verses, the five bags of silver, began to invest the money, and earned five more. He immediately put his wealth to work. Listen, the Bible com command, commands work, and Jesus commends it. I need to say that again. The Bible commands work. Anybody here old enough to remember Maynard G. Krebs? Anybody willing to admit that you, some of you are not willing to raise your hands because you don't want to tell your age, but Maynard G. Krebs said it that way, work, work. Well, the Bible commands work, and Jesus commends it. I recommend you give it a try. Some of you need to go out and get a job. And the parents under their breath said, Amen. Get a job. Somebody else said, work fascinates me. I can watch it for hours. <laughs> Get a job. Listen, the world does not owe you a living. I don't care who you are. The world does not owe you a living. You have to work for it. Use your God-given abilities and immediately put those abilities to work. I want to give you some advice. This is for you guys, especially uh, high school, college age. You say, well, I want a job that I can enjoy. Well, that's fine. I suggest that you find something you really enjoy and make a hobby out of it. But when you choose your career, you better make sure it can pay the bills. Sounds good. I'm going to get a degree in art. Okay. I hope you are a fantastic artist. Because if you haven't heard, there is a thing that's, that said, starving artist. Okay. Starving artist. You may love music and you're going to get a degree in music. How many opportunities are there out there for music teachers? You better make sure that you can make a living with your degree. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's two things that I can recommend. Donna, we're getting, I'm not talking about you and me, but we as a population are getting older, and so health care. Over the, over the rest of your lifetime, health care is going to be a good occupation.
You better get an occupation that will pay the bills. Technology is increasing. Get a degree in technology. You say, well, both of those take too much work. Work. Get a job. Go to school. Prepare yourself. Use what you've been given. Every one of us have those opportunities. I want you to notice that both men, those first two, the one who received five and the one who received two, made a 100% profit. Now, I, it made me mad. I was sitting in, I was the, the head of school, the, we'd say principal, but I was head of school at the Christian school in Russia. And I was doing my job, I was sitting in on one of the history classes, listening to the class. And Cheryl, the teacher said, when you think of profit, what comes into your mind? And every kid in the class said, greed. Greed. I wanted to say, no. Profit is what drives business. You want somebody to open a business and not make any money? I don't know. You want to work a job and not be paid? Profit is not greed. It's what drives a thriving economy. Don't deprive people of profit and don't say that they are greedy. These guys, the guy with five, made five more. Made five more. Now, Todd, honestly, 100% profit sounds really good, but we don't know how many years it took for him to double his investment. Nevertheless, over a period of time, he did that. So did the one with two. Profit's not greed. It's what makes a strong economy. Listen, listen, here's the difference in socialism and capitalism. Socialism says there's a certain amount of wealth in the world. It's a limited amount. It's a determined amount. And it's not divided equally, and it should be. You get more, you have more wealth than I do, therefore I'm poor because you're rich. That's sort of like Nancy, Brenda and I would tell our kids, eat your food, there's somebody starving somewhere. And they both said in unison one day, it's okay, Mom, send it to them. Cindy, you think that'd work? Let's just, let's just send them our leftovers to the other side of the world. That's not how it works. Socialism is wrong. You're not, profit's not greedy, and you're not rich because somebody else is poor. They're not poor because you're rich. Capitalism says there are opportunities to create wealth. Listen, wealth is not a, a certain number that exists and there's no more out there. You open a business and you're good at what you do. You create a new mousetrap. You, you create something, you build something people need and they come flocking to your door and you're not making other people poor because you're making a profit with the business you started. You are literally creating wealth. By the way, that works. Printing money and more money and more money does not work. It creates inflation. But opening a business 
pouring your life into it. I, I, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm looking at Don. Don was my favorite dentist. And he, he built a reputation. And he built a business. And that's how you stimulate the economy. Other people worked for him. You talk about creating wealth. Do you know that it's said of Solomon that in his day, silver was con considered as worthless? Worthless. Silver. You say, well, Solomon was rich. Of course he considered it worthless. No, you don't understand. Everybody in Israel in Solomon's day considered silver as without value because they all had so much of it. When a businessman makes profit, he hires laborers and they hire helpers. And a rising tide lifts all boats. Now, I know JFK is credited as saying that, but I did the research and he did not originate the quote. His speechwriter found it in a magazine put out by the New England Council. But all, a rising tide lifts all boats. Pam, that means that when there is wealth created, everybody involved gets more wealthy. Yes, the guy who owns the business gets the larger share. That's capitalism, and that is fair. He's the one who risked losing everything he had. Listen. Capitalism is shared wealth. Socialism is shared poverty. Everybody, everybody gets poorer when you discourage work and investment. And here are the scriptures to show that. I'm telling you, socialism is not biblical. By the way, the third man didn't put his wealth to work. He received his one bag of silver he dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And Paul says about that in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, said, when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Jonathan, that's not socialism. That's not socialism. We need to distribute doesn't matter whether he's will, willing to work or not. We need to distribute our wealth to him. Saying that somebody is not, should not be allowed to eat because he's unwilling to work, that's not socialism. That's Bible. They are not busy. He said, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, earn the food they eat. That is Bible. We have a whole generation of lazy, disruptive people. Let me tell you something, and I know this is, not, this is way too political and it's not going to be popular with some, but the problem with the idea of reparations is that the world owes me a living because my ancestors were treated badly. 
I, I would agree that they were treated wrong and there's nothing right about it. But I'm telling you, you cannot make it right. And the danger of reparations is you keep somebody from working by giving them money they have not earned and they become just this. They're idle and disruptive. You don't believe that? Go to our Indian reservations and see what it means to be on the government dole the government stipend and what results from that. I can take you to Australia, so show you the aboriginal population, so show you a whole land of drug addicts and alcoholics who do not work but get income, and it spoils the soul of man. We are made to work and earn our keep. Then finally, God gives rewards according to their faithfulness. Notice, there was a day of accounting. And I need to tell you that there is a day coming, basically, when we will give account for what we've done. What we've done with what God has given us. We will answer for that. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they had used his money. And each was judged individually based on the profit they made. I've already told you, the one with five bag, bags made five bags more. How did the master, how did Jesus portray the response to that? He was full of praise, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now... I will reward you by giving you more power, more responsibility, more ability. And I like this. Let's celebrate together. You see, Jesus commended profit. He commended hard work. The servant had received the two. It says exactly the same. I told some in my Sunday school class you'd see a place where I labeled both verses, verse 21, verse 23, are exactly the same. He said the same thing. He did not give more reward in the, in the end to one than the other. He gave them the, the, same condon, the same commendation. You've done good. Man, that's what I, I hope to hear from Jesus. You've done good. I know it's supposed to be you have done well. But that's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. By the way, can I stop here and offer an invitation? What's God going to say to you? When you stand before him, will he say, well done? Well done, good servant. Well done, faithful servant. Well done. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to give you a reward of much, and we're going to celebrate together. Jesus commended those who made a profit. Socialism considers them greedy and selfish. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Get this, I was afraid. I talked about the business owner deserves the profit he gets because, Gil, he's the one who risked everything. 
He put it on the line. He's the guy who put in 60 hours a week to get that business started. And he deserves the wealth that he receives. And a lot of those businesses go under, somebody fails, and they start over again. Why doesn't everybody do that? Because they're afraid. And you reward those who are willing to step out and take the risk and create the jobs where you work. He said, I, I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Here, here's your money back. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I harvested crops that didn't plant and gathered crops that didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Do something. Do not do nothing. Make sure you use what you've got to the glory of God. By the way, talk about redistribution of wealth. It did happen, didn't it, Casey? He said, take the money, the one bag from this servant, and give it to the one who had five. But master, he already has five. But this one did not use his. There's a lesson in that. The main lesson is the precept of socialism is the redistribution of wealth. The so socialist government forcefully takes from those who have earned wealth and gives it to those who have not earned it. Robin Hood, rob from the rich, give to the poor, sounds attractive. It sounds romantic. It makes for a good story. But it destroys the incentive to work. It steals, it's still stealing. Eventually, you run out of people to rob. Margaret Thatcher says in socialism, eventually, you run out of other people's money to spend. Socialism has failed. And yet, in our day, it's being promoted as the biblical. It's one thing for it to be tried, Cody, as, as a social experiment and a political experiment but to say that it's biblical I want you to know the difference it absolutely is not biblical in fact it is spiritually unhealthy those people in the New Testament were generous they were generous and I want to finish my series on Mammon is a mean master. I said in the Sunday school class, maybe I should have just, in the first sermon, says, it's not about how much, life's not about how much you own. And just be done with it. Would have saved you many hours of listening to me. But it's a little more complicated than that. And I want to say to you that if your possessions do not own you, and if mammon is not your master, then you can be generous. Let me encourage you to be... Listen, Jesus was generous. Jesus paid what we could not pay so that He could give us what we do not deserve. And He did this willingly. You have a choice to willingly receive His gift of eternal life or hatefully reject Him and His gift. And all who do will perish. You understand what I mean by that? I know I'm over time. Bear with me a minute and a half. None of us 
could have paid for our sin debt without spending an eternity doing so. That's what hell is. You believe in hell? Yes, I do. I believe that if you reject the Son of God as your Savior, you will be separated from God. He paid for your sin debt, and if you refuse His payment, you will spend an eternity paying your own sin debt. He's offering. He's generous. He loves you. He died for you. And He's offering you that payment right now. You have a choice. You can receive His gift by receiving Him. Or you can pay for it yourself, spend an eternity doing so by rejecting Him. What will you do? I want us to stand by our heads. We're going to have just a short verse, just a short invitation. But I want you to think about this. You've had a chance today to hear something you probably will not hear many other places. What are you going to do with it? God has richly blessed us, and we need to be grateful. We need to be generous. He has also offered us a generous gift, the gift of eternal life. What are you going to do with that gift? Listen, if I've offered the invitation every time that I've spoken this series. I believe in practical preaching. I believe in practical applications. If you're struggling with these issues of money, of slavery, of debt, of generosity, come let's talk about it. Let me pray for you. Let me get, offer some advice if I can. More than anything else, if you're lost, that is, you've never trusted Christ as Savior. I really need to meet with you in the counseling room this morning. Just grab me in the lobby. We'll go and sit down in a private place. And I'll spend time with you. Next Sunday you get to hear Pastor Todd. That's a good thing. But I want to finish the series by saying, May the Lord bless you. May He give you prosperity and wealth that you are then willing to use to His honor and His glory. Live your life for Him. Use your possessions and make them work for you. Do not serve them and do not allow them to enslave you. God bless you.